Sabai Di, everyone. Welcome back to Radio Octop Talk. This is the podcast that crisscrosses the globe, talking to pioneers in the world of folk art, the change makers in travel and tourism, and the innovators in remote communities. We go to Tashkent on the Silk Road, to the Middle Atlas, to the Chechen Highlands in Peru, and the colorful silk weaving villages in the misty mountains of Laos. We'll bring you a series of conversations that delve into the minds of these custodians of culture. All aboard, let's go. Today we speak with Lade in Myanmar. Lade means beautiful in Burmese. Lade is an organization that provides design and marketing support to traditional and contemporary artisans. They have a spacious, beautiful, light-filled shop and studio on Pansodan Road in downtown Yangon. Here you'll find a treasure of Myanmar's best handmade textiles and artisan goods. Myanmar, of course, is a diverse country with many different ethnic groups, each with distinct craft traditions. Myanmar is also a country of disproportionate social and economic inequity. Crafts have become a way for traditional artisans as well as marginalized urban groups to support themselves. Lade is an important resource in this equation. Our conversation begins with Ulla Krober. Originally from Germany, Ulla is an architect by training. She uses her design know-how to guide and inspire local creatives. Because of COVID, Ulla is currently stuck in Berlin and she's eagerly waiting for the borders to reopen so she can return home to Yangon. After Ula, we'll hear from Pao Son, a young contemporary artisan who runs Shintan Plastics. Pao Son has found an innovative way to fuse used plastic into sheets or canvas that can be sewn into fashionable accessories. Pao Son will reflect on what it means to run a business in Myanmar. The challenges loom large. But as Pausan eloquently reminds us, after midnight, there is always the dawn. And now it's time to hop on board and head to Berlin and Yangon. Hi, Ula, how are you? Hi, Rachna. Good to hear uh, you. Good to hear you too. And thank you so much for speaking with us in Radio Off Talk. It's really nice to connect with you again. Um, how's Berlin? Oh, it's early morning and uh, we are going into autumn here uh, while um, in Yangon, where my main interest is, the rainy season is easing now. So um, with uh, the time difference and the different in season, I try to be connected uh, to Yangon, which sometimes seems to be a bit far away and difficult. Yes, I'm sure you're waiting anxiously to get back. Yes, um, it's a very unfortunate situation. I'm already here in Berlin since March and I've never been away for such a long period from La Day. And um, it does worry me because I do see the difficulties which um, coronavirus has brought to all the people working with and for Lade. Before we delve into the impact of the pandemic, Ula explains how Lade works. Started four years ago, Lade provides design, business development training, and marketing to any artisan who's interested in working with them. 
Myanmar's political and economic landscape is challenging, to say the least. Crafts are a way for traditional artisans to earn income. And in Myanmar, crafts also provides income opportunities for marginalized groups, such as people with disabilities, single mothers, and folks who identify as LGBT, who may be left out of traditional jobs. There are also emerging contemporary artisans like Pao Son, who we will hear from later. Vlade works across all these groups with a clear mission to improve design and business skills, to provide a marketing outlet, and to create better opportunities for individuals and groups they work with. Let's hear Ula explain. We work uh, with uh, many different uh, groups to be exact, about um, 50 different groups in different intensity. Uh, you can say we have um, two, two main differences between all those groups. Some mm -hmm. of them are skilled artisans and they come to Lade to exchange their views, to get a little bit of design input and to use our um, fantastic um, place, a shop in downtown Yangon to sell their crafts. The other group are the ones which we look at um, as being a little bit more labor intensive. They are groups which need a lot, a lot, a lot of design input. They, mm -hmm. um, they are groups of people uh, with uh, disabilities, LGBT, people who simply need an income and uh, where we support them to find products which they can produce um, to have a voice and to have an income, to be seen and have an income. We coined for ourselves co-design or we we did it not knowing that it was co-design um, we closely work together with uh, uh, the artisans to see their abilities to see the availability uh, the availability of uh, materials and their skills and pair that with our knowledge of the market because um, the main thing for crafts is that they are desirable, that they are functional, that they are of use in daily life. And our life has changed. Uh, 50 years ago, nobody needed a laptop cover. Today, um, <laughs> we need laptop covers. As our uh, artisans lived or live in a country which is not as connected as many others, um, it's important to uh, bring the uh, customer view or um, to the attention of the artisan. So we see ourselves a little bit as a link between um, the people who want to buy crafts, want to own lovely pieces which they can use, which are useful, and the people who sit somewhere in a remote area and don't know about the needs of a customer from Finland or America or um, in Yangon. So Ula, in addition to uh, working with traditional crafts, you also design contemporary crafts based on materials that are 
either upcycled or more easily available, particularly in urban areas. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the contemporary crafts that Lade works with? Yes, um, we love upcycling because Myanmar has a big uh, problem, environmental problem. Uh, rubbish, uh, especially plastics, um, litter the streets. Um, they are kind of new to Myanmar and people treat plastic bags like banana leaves. They just drop them. Um, unfortunately, a plastic bag remains there and doesn't decompose. So um, we use um, those materials to design uh, new crafts. And um, we believe that uh, we help uh, with making people aware of those problems by using those uh, materials. And uh, Pao Son is one of the artisans who um, has uh, developed new techniques to um, create contemporary crafts with new materials. You know, you said that you work with a range of um, communities. One is skilled artisans, but also communities that just are suffering in either economic or so social inequity. And so how do you identify communities that you can work with? Do they come to you or do you seek them out? Um, how does that conversation begin? Yeah, you talk about communities. I would call them smaller. Um, it would be nice if we could work with communities. I call them groups. And sometimes mm -hmm. these groups are very small. Sometimes they are just not bigger than a family. Um, we um, have never um, any lack of um, artisans who want to work with us. Um, they hear about us and they come to us usually. And then we, we see how we can work together. Um, and of course, we have certain criteria um, uh, which uh, our or which the artisans have to fit. Um, they have to be um, genuinely uh, interested. We want them to uh, be uh, open to change and uh, open to try new things. We cannot be misused simply for design of uh, products for companies. We want to make a change to the artisans' lives by mm -hmm. um, gaining a new um, um, craft piece and being able to have an income through that. You mentioned that you have a beautiful space in downtown Yangon and I've been there and I can attest that it is gorgeous. It's a place you really want to spend time. It's yes. like a home. And, um, and the other thing I really want to point out is that I'm not sure people know what a rich um, 
craft and cultural tradition Myanmar has. You know, there's a lot of different types of handicrafts that when you come into the Lade space, you can see, you know, everything from gold to textiles to paper mache to wood to ceramics. And um, it's just brilliant. Um, but as you said, you know, now with limited travel or actually no travel and um, the fact that you can't ship out of the country, I mean, things are quite tough for the groups you're working with. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, and um, you can say with the closure of Myanmar, um, tourism has stopped and we... Uh, our market uh, did shrink a lot. I would like to quickly uh, talk about um, the differences um, uh, or the different craft areas. And that is something which you, you quite correctly said. Myanmar has some fabulous crafts, uh, lacquerware, something which we don't even know in Europe. Um, weaving um, gold fantastic uh, many of these things uh, we look at and we admire it but they need the change to be useful in our daily life they need the contemporary twist the design the little design input to change them in such a way that they are still truly Myanmar, but adapted to daily life in our century. Um, and that's maybe a better definition of uh, what we do. Not just in Myanmar, but around the world, you know, as get more globalized and have more access to, to different materials coming in from overseas, we tend to kind of abandon what we think of as traditional or old and buy sort of quote-unquote new things. And typically they're made out of plastic or made out of something else. And, you know, they're not necessarily have the cultural imprint or the longevity that we associate with handmade goods. Um, so I think that's also where design comes in really well is because, as you said, you know, we have to adapt it. We have to adapt these things into the modern life. And, and keep their value. Yes, definitely. Uh, we have to adapt them, but we should, craft should never, never um, lose their local flavor. Uh, crafts are something for the producer or for the country, the region where they come from. Um, it's the root of culture. Um, and um, they are crafts are never mass produced they still have the the heart of the producer in each piece even they look similar they are always different because they are handmade and that is the wonderful difference to all these mass produced products which we get at any corner in the world and which are soulless. Um, and that is what makes crafts from, whether they come from Myanmar or whether they come from Laos, they are specific to 
the region and they carry the local flavor. Yeah, and that in that sense, you know, like that's something we face at Okotok um, in Laos as well. You know, we are also very reliant, as you are, on tourism. And Laos is also shut down right now mm-hmm. and there's no tourism. Yeah. And a large part of our marketing and our sales happens on site when our staff, our team, our weavers are able to really communicate our stories exactly. um, to people. And when that goes missing, we, in a sense, you know, we're facing the challenge of, of pivoting. Like we have to go from being on site producers and storytellers to suddenly, you know, we have to go digital and it's really challenging for us. I know because we're a small team. We, you know, have our expertise is in like doing kind of face-to-face interactions, right? And then now we have to be on the internet and going digital. So is that, how do you manage that now? Like, because I imagine you also have to communicate and tell your stories now across a different channel. Exactly the same uh, challenge we have because our customers, tourists, they come and they have spent uh, a memorable time in uh, Myanmar and they come and they talk with us and they are in this lovely environment and yeah, they buy their memories, they buy the stories and when you have a piece like this in Berlin and um, you try to communicate this to somebody who has never visited Myanmar, who doesn't know the charm of uh, Myanmar people, who has not uh, tasted the flavor of life in Myanmar, it's it's a bland piece. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Um, and... As well, we have the technical difficulties. Um, How do you export from a country which is really shut down? Um, Banking problems, still um, sanctions which are in people's heads. Yeah, it's uh, nearly impossible. Yeah, there are a lot of like um, challenges, I think, to working in Myanmar. Yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, even more so than Laos. Yes, uh, because we still also have, uh, we have to say that uh, uh, political uh, problems. Um, people think of, um, yes, let's boycott, um, let's not be in touch or uh, not be too near to this problem, look away. Um, it's, it, we feel it, we feel it. Okay, the word Shintan means it's like a clean, 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 like that. It literal translation would be clean, clean. Shin is uh, something clean and Tan is <laughs> like that. Um, that was Peter Pauson, founder of Shintan Plastics. In his mid-30s, Pauson is engaging, thoughtful, and self-taught. He's infinitely curious, and our conversation touched on many topics, from gaming to economic sanctions to the perils of single-use plastics. 
Poisson has developed a way to upcycle plastic by fusing pieces together to create a canvas or fabric with artful whimsical patterns and the sprinkle or confetti effect. These upcycle sheets of plastic canvas are then cut and sewn into purses, pocketbooks, totes, and accessories. They're absolutely genius and great looking. If you have trouble envisioning it, check out the images posted on our blog that accompanies this episode. Poisson lives on the outskirts of Yangon. You'll hear scooters and traffic in the background. The internet deception was dodgy through our conversation, so bear with us. The sound quality isn't great, but Poisson's perspective is sharp. Hi, Poisson. Minglaba, how are you? Hey, Rishna. Hello, how are you? Oh, it's nice, very nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining us at Radio Akpok Talk. Okay, my pleasure. So you're uh, at home in Yangon right now, is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at my home and kind of like a prison <laughs> in my own home. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, think... But, um, but, but it's getting a life back is good, good news, but uh, the rate of contagious is quite high, but people have to live through this. Yes, yeah, I think um, it's tougher, I think, in Myanmar, too, because you've had a long lockdown and cases are still going up, though, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really quite, quite sad. But before that, uh, we have a long lockdown. And then uh, after they, they released the lockdown, uh, the spread is just went up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's like the rest of the world also, you know, the minute we ease up, comes flying back. How did you start the company? What what made you decide to work with upcycled plastics? Um actually I I always I, I, I always interest in nature sound. Plastic is really difficult to work. I mean mm-hmm. especially for the recycle at the time I don't even know the word upcycle. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I was able to attend the training, mm-hmm. and actually the the, the the training is about the fusing plastic with iron. And at, at the very first day of the training, I got an idea of better processing technique with um, the machine. So how yeah. do you actually do it? Because if, if somebody looked at it, it, you would see like a it's almost like you produce a canvas. How do you get the plastic and what, how do you clean it and then do this process? Can you explain um, that a little? Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, yeah. As you said, it's uh, basically a canvas uh, or fabric. Um, first, we have, to collect, we have to collect the plastic um, from the bazaar, mall, plazas, like that. Um, yeah, and another part is uh, I got from the factories, so they use a cover for the products, especially mm-hmm. in the garment factory. You see the hanging, uh, the hanger with the plastic to cover the the, yeah. the garment. So yes. they they use quite a lot. I mean, a one time use. How does it make the really stiff? kind of piece that you get? Do you pour wax on it or, or how does that, 
You know, like no, I, I don't use uh, any any external chemical or any other material except from the basic, basically um, plastic. I use a steel plate to fusing, so it's kind of like a it's re reflection of the steel. So. So you yeah. put the pieces on the steel and then you apply heat to it or press it? Is that yeah, how yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I was trying to figure out is how it made. So it's just so clever. And is this something that you came up with on your own? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so then once you have that, um, how do you then design products out of it? How does that part work? Actually, uh, we have to start from the beginning. Uh, I mean, in the preparation, when when we cut. Uh, so, if you want this particular design to match with that product, so we have to cut that. Uh, we have to cut for that particular design. Mm -hmm. So, uh, preparation is a huge, uh, huge part of the process. Um, about the product, uh, we got uh, ideas ideas from the latter, and sometimes we got from the online. You were saying, in terms of design, you know, um, the, it's a collaborative process with Ula and Lade, yeah. and that sometimes you get creative with your own designs, and often, you know, as good as a design might be, um, you're limited by materials and yeah, limited yeah. by the Material. colors that you can find. Yeah. Who makes up your team? Who are the people who you work with? Uh, actually, uh, our business is a, a, a family business, really quite small. Mm -hmm. Basically, um, my mom and me, you can find anybody that experienced in upcycle or recycle because it's quite new in Myanmar. I mean, right. people people don't have the concept of uh, recycling and upcycling in here. So you can find any experienced uh, worker employee, employee like that. So I will train them, all of my employees. I mean, all is mean two full-time and four part-time. That's it. <laughs> and so what do they do? Swing and as I said, in the preparation process, you see uh, cutting for the requirement, uh, cutting as a requirement on the product is quite tricky. It's time consuming. I mean, to get a sprinkle, you have to cut piece by piece like a really sprinkle, small part. So yes. it's quite take time. So I employ those staff to the part-time job, uh, part-time part employee. And we got uh, two time full time employees for the sewing to help my mom. Okay. Um, but um, they all got laid off after the, you know, <laughs> COVID start. <laughs> How is COVID, this whole COVID and pandemic, impacting you and yeah, your team? It's quite setback, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. Honestly, I mean, We've been planning to advance on the online sales in this, I mean, the beginning of this year. 
Poisson's business relies on plastic, but he's well aware that plastic production is the root of many environmental issues. In the early aughts, single-use plastics entered Myanmar like a tsunami, and now it's everywhere. Poisson remembers a time when there were no plastics, when Myanmar's national soup, Mohinga, street foods, and produce were served or wrapped in banana leaves. We got cut off quite a bit during this part of the recording, but here are some of his thoughts. The irony of the recycling is started from the plastic producer. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. public outcry for the waste, and then government government in, in, intervened about that, and then plastic industry they they think about they think ways to uh, invert that problem. One of them is recycling. They are promoted recycling, yet they are pro- producing virgin plastic at the same time. Really, uh, process. I mean, uh, if if they really care about the environment and the pollution and all sort of uh, environment issue uh, awareness, and they have to stop producing virgin plastic. That's a basic. I mean, basic step to get into that problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's not just, you know, it's gotten to a point where it's just crazy, especially in Southeast Asia, where we all mm-hmm. live. It's like, you know, plastics are in every river, in every ocean, in every fish now, yeah. they say. You know, it's everywhere. It's probably in us in some way. Myanmar is a tough place to do business particularly for artisans. Limits on international banking, the lack of international online shopping options like Amazon and PayPal, and high shipping costs makes it difficult to reach global markets. Up to now, Lade and Pauson have relied on tourism. In the past, Pauson also relied on relatives and networks in neighboring countries like Thailand, where shipping is significantly cheaper. But with the pandemic and regional lockdowns, these income streams have come to a complete halt. The perpetual shadow of sanctions adds another layer of complexity. Let's hear Pauson explain. Yeah, I think there's two parts. Uh, One is from the government. Another is from the company like Amazon and PayPal. Um, They both Mm -hmm. don't interest in... Myanmar market. The government doesn't, I mean, I don't want to say doesn't, totally doesn't, but Myanmar government faced a lot of problems in these years, uh, internal conflicts and all the Rakhine problems, so they have a lot of problems to solve. Plus, now we got COVID, so it's really difficult to focus on that subject right now from from the uh, another part from the company like Amazon and um, PayPal I mean Myanmar market is quite small and too risky to dive in into the Myanmar market because of the human rights issue they, they might think I, I mean I've been trying PayPal since 2013 when I start this business 
But I mean, they said they uh, they <laughs> Yamaha is in something kind of like that. But I write it back. No, no, no. We lit. We got lifted the something. What gives you hope? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, if I may say, from the beginning of this year, I got a lot of hope. I mean, the business is booming, and so that's why I I was planning to expand my business online, and through even though I I I can get uh, I I can get acceptable credit card and paper, I can reach out with my friends and. I relate from abroad, so that's not problem for me. But legally, I want to do legally like that. But after the COVID, uh, it's really lose my hope. It's kind of like a test. I mean, if we if we can through this, it 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 will be really easy for for the future in in time. I mean, there will there will be no dark and that dark out then the midnight. So we are through the midnight. So there will be a dawn. With uh, dawn is awake for us. So that's that. That's the hope, or that's the perspective I got right now. And this brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening in. Please do take a look at Pawson and Shintan Plastics' amazing designs. We have some great photos of them on our blog page. Additionally, you can check out Lade's website and see all the producers and artisans Ula works with. Links to Lade's website, Instagram, and Facebook are included in the description of this episode. For any questions or feedback, please email me directly. Remember, we air a new episode every week. You can listen to all Radio Okpop Talk episodes on Okpop Talk's website. Thanks again, and we'll meet again on the next episode. Kop chai lai lai.